0: Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan
1: Allen, what a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be
2: picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest... What up,
1: old fam? Welcome to a juicy FTR edition of the Thunderdown Undercharges podcast. Andy Prophet, your host right here, joined by the lawyer and the moustachioed Tommy Sawyer. Alice Lloyd and Jack Reed. (laughs) Welcome, fellas. How (laughs) we doing tonight?
0: All the better for that intro. Thank you. That's awesome. Moustachioed Tom Sawyer. Love it.
2: You good, Al? I'm great, mate. Fantastic. I'm great. You know, you guys know I've had a good weekend because my other sporting passion came good with a championship for my Australian football team. Um, Kyle had made a funny comment online seeing me cheering amongst 100,000 people with black and white everywhere. And he said, Oh, come on, Al, we're wearing those colors before the Raiders week. I said, No, 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 it's black and white, not silver, not silver and black. Yeah. Um, But, jeez, it felt excellent and then felt excellent again on Monday as the Chargers have a victory heading into bye week. How good.
1: Yeah, it was Uh, a good weekend. I was sort of enjoying your your enjoyment out of the victory on Saturday and then obviously watching the, the game together on Monday night. It was... Good to get that win under the belt. Lots to get stuck into with week four now in the book. So let's get it. Las Vegas Raiders 17, Los Angeles Chargers 24. The first divisional contest of season 2023 and taking it 1-0 is as good as you can ask for. Did the defense stand up? Did they what? A late game saving interception reminiscent of the Vikings a week earlier. And, well, he tried to tell you so, but I guess you didn't know. As he said, the story goes Baby, now we got the flow That's right, return of the Mac! Oh my god! Oh. Second win on the trot, bolstered by another Chargers Franchise record broken, Khalil Mack with six sacks, and one of the most dominant defensive efforts of recent memory. Albeit on a debutante, Derek Carr look alike in the silver and black. Doesn't matter. got the stats in the book. Chargers square the record at 2-2 heading into the bye, and who gives a shit about the Ray Turds? Bolt up, baby! Jack, before I throw to you for your bursting impressions from the win, huge news from Chargers Park in the last 24 hours. Uh, Much fan maligned free agent signing JC Jackson has been traded back to New England for a swap of 6th and 7th round picks. So Al, if you'd be so kind, run us through what this means financially to the team. Uh, After signing Mr. INT for five years, $82.5 at the back end of the twenty-one. season we'll get stuck into a little bit more uh, as we go but just for now what does this all mean
2: yeah well look in order to get any kind of deal done for a player who's performed that poorly you need to give a bit i mean and and very thankfully we've got kyle and tau 837 who are right on the pulse on these kind of numbers and the financials of these deals so they they were explaining straight away in bolts from the blue we, we do a pick swap with New England to get this done. Our seventh round pick from 2025 gets given away and they give us their sixth. So we've moved up around in the draft. But then in terms of the numbers, what New England said was, if you're going to give us this deal, you're going to have to convert some of JC's kind of un unguaranteed bonuses into signing bonuses. So we don't pick up that cap. So in terms of how we've changed from our current predicament. What it does is it creates a bit more space this year, but a lot more dead cap next year. It is similar to what would have happened had we just cut JC Jackson at the end of this year. We yep. get an extra million and a half to work with. Yeah. So those are the numbers, nothing substantial, but you don't expect much when you get rid of a big contract like that. We're just trying to get him off our books.
1: Yep, get him out of the room. Um, we do note that the Chargers have brought back Essang uh the cornerback who played a game with us last year and has spent since then with the Broncos. All right. Before we get into that later on, Jack, what did you think of the game?
0: Without calling myself Nostradamus, I ended last week's show. (laughs) We were were wondering how long this might take. Go
2: on. I did end last week's show with
0: my teachable moment about Khalil Mack and how he's performing at such a high level. Clearly, he listens to the show, and clearly, he was inspired by my words of wisdom. Uh, but what a performance! I mean, I was live tweeting throughout the game. If you follow us on Twitter, um, I can't remember the last at TD underscore the charges. charges for
1: all of those playing along at home. Um,
0: I can't remember the last time I watched a, a defensive player own a game like that, for playing for the Chargers. I've seen Aaron Donald do it. Um, I've seen Micah Parsons do it and Nick Bosa to an extent too. But it's incredible to actually watch a professional just say, this is not going to happen today and we're not going to lose like we we normally do. And he just took over the game Critics will say it was against O'Connell. It was against a rookie quarterback. Man, six sacks is still six sacks in the NFL. You're still going up against NFL caliber tackles. And you just look at the domino effect that has on how well Chris Rumpf played. Tully Tua Pelotu came back to earth a little bit. He only won about 4% of his true pass sets. Um, But you look at the difference that makes to Kendricks and K9. And all of a sudden, the back end looks better. So it was just a virtuoso performance. Um, he's easily now one of my favorite players to ever don the, the baby blues. So well done, Khalil Mack. It was just mate, incredible to watch. Incredible, incredible
2: to watch. And a super positive, I guess, aspect of the game. It's the second most ever sacks in the history of the NFL, tied with four other players. The most recent was Adrian Claiborne in the random Falcons performance in 2017. But I mean, it, that's just amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. He bullied Illuminore. Had th- three sacks Jermaine
1: against Jaden <laughs> Jaden oh, And then the, the, shit up, the other side, okay. he smacked. Yeah, <laughs> I know.
2: I'm the reporter, and uh he 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 did the same to Colton miller as well. Yeah. It, it was one of those performances that you just didn't understand how it kept on happening. It wasn't just pa- pass rushing either. It was in the run game too. Yeah. He had a few key plays down the stretch. Uh, it, it was just excellent. And good point, Jack. When you've got that up front, the coverage on the back end, it's much easier. Easier for the linebackers to see what they're doing. So I think the only place you can start this week is with Khalil Mack. Single-handedly, six-mac-sack gets us the win against six the sack Raiders. Mack? Incredible. Yep.
1: It, yeah, it was the force fumbles as well, the tackles for loss. It was it was awesome. And look, I don't think Thule necessarily came back to earth. He was less showy, but he was eating double blocks. Um, and he yeah. was allowing Mac to stunt inside and and have have his way with it. Thule Too, was still pretty good. Made a great um, great stop in the run game. Um, I'm still seeing growth. Doesn't matter if it's on the stat sheet or not. What you're seeing out there is a guy who's recognizing um what he's seeing, and he was. Almost a leadership kind of role calling calling his um line across to to pick up um uh on a play. Yeah so it really good was that really impressive stuff. Really impressive stuff. And
2: McDaniels was double teaming Tooley for some reason the yeah. whole game. Even into quarter three when Mac has his fifth sack, he's still lined up one on one without chipping help. They obviously thought Tooley's the guy they need to stop. And Mac goes, I haven't seen one on one one on one matchups for ten years. All right, Josh. Here we go. And he oh, lied. Man. Josh McDaniels, too. He came yeah. out and
0: said, Oh, we were trying to double team. And it, it was something like only 4% of the snaps at the end, yeah. um, Mac was uh, double teamed. But anyway.
1: Yeah, McDaniels is. Yeah, you- I've got it in front of me. There were a number of snaps there that there were multiple people assigned to him and him only, Mac. We did everything we could to try to disrupt him with another player. And the facts are the Raiders double teamed Khalil Mack on two out of his 63 snaps, roughly 3.17%. So oh, yeah. I don't know what that guy's on about, but he wrong, he wrong. And it was great, great to watch. Um, I am coming straight off the bat. We're talking about a current champion defensive player. I'm going to come straight out and talk about a former shit house defensive player, Jerry, Jerry Tillery. You are an oh. absolute piece of shit. As if Chargers fans, we couldn't hate the fact that he was our first round pick back in 2019. You are a rotten dog. Fuck you, dude. Piece of shit. I absolutely loved how the team rallied around Herbert after he got nailed. Why would you do that on our sideline? Um uh just piss off mate you could see on the field crosby hated it throwing his hands up in the air like this fucking guy um even kyle van Noy came out on twitter now it's 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 well known he's outwardly spoken of his disdain for the Chargers organization since last year finished and he was no longer in the building uh but he had some choice words on on twitter about um how much of a piece of trash tillery was so i just needed to get that off my chest because i got infuriated as every Chargers fan would it was just great to see him get ejected out of the game and then do the yeah yeah make some noise as he's getting booed out of the stadium so (laughs) all the best man like two snaps you shit I don't even think you're gonna last in silver and black so good riddance to bad rubbish yeah well said Andy let's start talking about the Chargers again back to some positive stuff I thought the uh the run game was explosive and powerful in in parts uh 37 attempts 155 yards and two scores on the ground and boy oh boy wasn't it good to see the right use of personnel right from the start with the the wide zone draw play to darius davis just a speed guy around the edge carving through that defense 51 yards straight into raiders territory couldn't ask for a better start uh is there is there A real strong, like uh, site for site, not the right word, but uh, you know, a a real future for Josh Kelly as a, as a runner, Mm. we've spoken about this. Has he stepped, has he stepped up and filled a need while Austin's been out?
0: Uh, I'll take that one because that naturally leads into one of the issues that I still have with the running back group. And that is their ability to block pass rush because, again, per PFF, and it was to me very clear that Spiller and Kelly had a pretty poor game in terms of protecting Justin Herbert. Kelly is your one-cut guy. He's a powerful runner. I think he's growing. Uh, Spiller has sort of shown, I think, just a little bit more out of the backfield. I thought Spiller had quite a decent game catching the ball and made Mm -hmm, it sort mm of – it was a little bit more dynamic – I think there's still a massive need for Austin Eckler. And I don't think going ahead with only Joshua Kelly, Spiller, and perhaps Dotson rounding out that group is is enough. I still think there's a lack of experience. And and as I said, when we're looking at a a running back, it's not just how well they run or how well they uh, catch the ball and and get yards. Eckler is very, very good in the blocking game. And without Corey Lindsley at centre you've got yeah. Will clap that makes a massive difference. And if we're seeing this trend occur again and again, where defensive coordinators just blitzing Justin Herbert, blitz,
2: blitz, 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 the running backs are gonna need to do a better job of protecting him. Is it the running back backs Jack, or is it more the big boys up front would be what I'd put to you. Cause I thought like Kelly had two or three runs where he he really made the most of, mm. of that particular run, showed strength, actually got beyond 10 yards. I found that they really struggle with rush attempts between the tackles, which is now a continuing theme. Yeah, When they just plow straight in the middle, they go nowhere. And I thought it was interesting when you remove Herbert's rush attempts, 102 of the Chargers' 128 rush yards came after contact. Mm-hmm. So that's telling me that line is not giving them any breathing space and and first contact is occurring within one or two yards past the line of scrimmage if they're lucky i thought to your point jack john jenkins versus clap was a real mismatch there were three or four snaps where claps getting beaten off the line and then the running back is facing contact in the backfield so hopefully Eckler can come in and do more but i don't know how much more he's going to do if the offensive line aren't going to give them a bit of a running start. Cause I think that's more of a structural issue, not just a skill position issue.
1: Agreed. Well, that's kind of what spurred my question because Kelly's not the speed guy to go out outside the tackles, but it's not really working as the sort of power back that we have with the one cut up the middle. Like he showed some good, um, like you said, Al, he had two or three explosive runs over 10 yards and there was a great one where he just kept his legs moving and, and beat a, a Max Crosby tackle to get up the field. There are, like, signs of uh, improvement, but also, like, yeah, it's it's tough when we're just not getting – not just not able to burn the clock and get those sort of six to eight yards regularly that we seem to give up as a defense. So on the other side of the coin, we, we're like – just cutting ourselves a little bit short there. Um, and like they did have a lot of work in terms of pass protection. As you mentioned, Jack, a lot of the time it was Max Crosby beating Pipkins around the edge and yeah. then Max Crosby just going, chip me, I dare ya. I'm going to crush ya. Mm. Um, So was- Even
2: Slater struggled. Like So mm. that, that was probably his worst game of his young yeah. career and he still had moments, but... They're, they're, our passing attack st- suffered in this one. It really wasn't a strength well, of the team. Th- the weird thing is is that if you look at the... Last week I spoke about how
0: and P- it says PFF and you did notice it on the broadcast that Lindsley had a poor game whereas the rest of the line played really well. It's kind of gone the inverse here. Will Clapp has been rated the highest offensive lineman at centre and the rest of them have had fairly average games. So... What can you take of that? It generally means that, you know, pressure up the middle is rare. And if you can generate it as a defense, then you're doing really well, a la Aaron Donald. Generally, the center is there to pick up the scraps. And so as to go, all right, who am I going to help left or right? And so it seems that Will Clapp has clearly done his assignments, but the the rest of the players have suffered around him. So that's a hole that you might not necessarily think, you know, Lindsley obviously is one of the best centers in the league. But just because Will Clapp has had a, a well-rated game, a la or per PFF, doesn't necessarily mean he's actually been a benefit for the for the whole picture. So, yeah, yeah. it's a it's a it's a very it's very much a fascinating uh, without Lindsley there because Herbert is still, I believe, a bit of a juvenile when it comes to calling protection. Still, he's still sort of
2: learning it. Uh, so. Uh. Yeah. Interesting to see what happens. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. And, and like even when Lindsley's in, apparently Herbert does call the protections this year, but I have no doubt Lindsley's helping in some way because we are seeing that theme. Lindsley goes out, Clap comes in. Clap might not specifically give up pressures, but somehow the whole line doesn't play well. Yep. Run game or pass game. So something to monitor, especially if Lindsley's out for you know, a significant period. We've had no update on the nature of the heart issue let's hope help it's hope it's the type where he can return this season. We've got no idea maybe he never plays again, but I thought I thought Herbert still kind of got went into his god mode and got us this win. It was an uncharacteristic Herbert performance. A couple more turnover worthy plays than we would expect from mm. him. A bit of a head scratching interception rewatching that one. He's got keen and open on a on a crosser and then he decides to bail right from a clean pocket. And then sail the ball in a very dangerous spot into double coverage and that that's lucky that didn't come back even further yet what we saw was oregon herbert that we haven't seen so much of taking off with his legs and rushing down the middle and you know rushing to the side for that first touchdown and then of course when you've got to have it third and ten game on the line wasn't that an amazing ability to climb the pocket hit palmer for 50 yards he goes Ball game, that's over, Chargers win, bye week, fuck off.
1: <laughs> yeah. With the with the glove and the splint on. Let's just finish this off and get out of here. It that the Herbert talking about Herbert and the running game is a, a big point for mine because Chargers us us on this show and Chargers fans alike have been talking a lot about wanting to see Herbert use his legs a little bit more. He did that probably for the most that he's done in his Chargers career to uh, in this game. Is that a concern though that he's a He's struggling to adjust when, you know, Amic Robertson was more than uh, solid on uh, Keenan Allen. Four targets. He did have three receptions for 32 yards and a touchdown, but did a pretty good job. Allen's been targeted. He's had, he leads the league in reception. So he's getting a lot of the ball. Um, Was, is that, what do you think, Jack? Is that just Herbert struggling sort of to adjust to not having Mike Williams there and not really, also doesn't have Austin Eckler in the receiving game as well what do you what do you what do you take from that
0: see i have a different opinion see i thought herbert's gone into god mode twice in the vikings game this week but i think they're quite different god modes the vikings god mode was far more considered far more i thought elite this week's god mode was a little bit more i'm trying to do too much and
1: it, it felt was, white collar almost, and blue collar. He, you know, he was
0: almost like he was trying too hard. You know, the Derwin James, I've got to go out and make an impact, and I actually end up hurting myself or give away a penalty. In Herbert's case, not only not only do you throw an interception, but then you put yourself in a very precarious situation of like, oh, I've made a mistake. I'll go and tackle, get your finger mm, caught up and fractured and sliced. Like. And I'm shit yeah, like. but I'm going. But is Mahomes doing that? Is Josh Allen doing that? And that, this is a theme that's happening now. (laughs) This is a theme that's happening where I wonder how much control Brandon Staley or Kellen Moore has over keeping Justin just on a level. Cool, you can go out, you can run, you can use your legs. I love that, but you're putting yourself in precarious situations. That's the one thing that I said, Herbert was awesome in the first half, but hurting your finger, which means you can't play on a center as well as you normally could. I just mm. think that maybe, maybe we just need to just—he just needs to calm down a little bit. Now I'm not pl- saying play soft. I'm not, I'm not
2: saying that. But I think it's That's just what more I'm hearing. a calm <laughs> performance. So he, um, he also almost threw a red zone interception. He's lucky that Trayvon yeah. Merrick had some kind of Hulk hand. plaster cast on <laughs> it was his a hand. hand. <laughs> that that was double coverage as well. I know Parham's six foot eight, but that should have been picked, and that would have mm. been points off the board. And that was the
1: um, that was the sprained wrist player, wasn't it? talk about mate talk about made yes. of glass gee whiz
2: thank goodness that's only a sprain yeah. thank goodness
1: mm. uh al what else did you find uh challenging from a win what sort of mm. kind of negatives did you things that you didn't feel that great about on the rewatch or live
2: yeah maybe we can talk defence a little bit. I think we've got a lot of positive things to discuss about the defence. We'll get to that. But maybe a few things that I thought still popped up. Still a little bit of stupidity, I thought we're seeing at least one or two stupid things per game. And we're now four weeks into the year and three years of this group being together. So we've already discussed uh, Asante with the interception going down. This friggin' superplex that was delivered on a second and 10 yeah daft one of the stupid penalties that's mm. that's an important part of the game when that occurred spend that drive a third and a third and 19 completion to josh jacobs yep with just a check down mm. i know the score's 24 7 at that point you know in the third quarter we're seeing we're seeing uh cornerbacks continue to struggle a little bit when targeted this week it was davis and josea oh, and we were registered with having 10 missed tackles which is slightly higher than we've had in the past so yes. We have not seen anything approximating a complete performance yet from the defense, but it's that, that recidivism of stupidity and why do we keep giving up third and forever?
1: And two fourth down two fourth down completions as well. Just, just didn't really seem like in that moment, they had got to have it moments. Staley talks about those got to have it moments and it seemed like soft coverage on Adams and then I think the second one was a pretty weak goal line stand. Josh Jacobs just ran it up the middle for that one yard score, and it seemed like the backers That's sat a right. bit off.
2: And the previous down we stopped the QB yeah. sneak pushed, tush push. So and then it was fourth and one, and then suddenly he he, he kind of got five yards into the end zone.
1: Yeah, just we standing around looking at each other. Look, that being said, we did all we did have Derwin out, Aloe Gilman out, JT Woods out. So Dean Marlowe and Raheem Lane played a hundred percent of snaps, both as like a two-deep safety set, um, both as free safeties. There were instances where I, I think late in the game, um, Devontae caught a ball just before the in- the play, before the interception, caught a ball at the four-yard line, and Michael Davis just looked around at Dean Marlowe and was like, what are you doing? Where were you? And they, didn't, they weren't graded poorly, but there were definitely moments where it was a little bit, okay, they're kind of a little bit lost there. If you if you feel bad about having JT Woods as your free safety, then, hey, welcome to Raheem Lane and Dean Marlowe. And that's a reason why they're Credit in the depth. Credit to the coaching but, staff, though, man.
2: Like, they allowed zero yards between them through the air, yep. missed one tackle. Like, that's safety four and five. If we're going to say the the issues with the defense, the fact that there wasn't some deep 40, 50-yard completion down the middle is, is pretty impressive, I reckon.
1: Yeah, well, I think that it comes hand in hand with you know, forcing a, a rookie or a debutant quarterback to be throwing, his time to throw was 2.6 or something, and Khalil's getting mm. to him. And he's he's that kind of, doesn't have good ball protection. That was a knock on him out of college. And he uh, just, as soon as he they started shaking up his block, he was all, all over the place. So the longest completion was 25 yards. We, we did minimize that explosive play. Um, but, yeah i think they got off he didn't look up for it i think you're
2: right the safeties get off when you've got a rookie quarterback who doesn't really know what he's doing yeah and i was saying to you guys offline staley was quite clever up front where he'd mug kendricks and murray in the a gap looking like they're blitzing the old amoebic defense and 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 so so they're o- o'connell's looking at them and then they're bailing and then at the same time, there are games and stunts having up front, so Mac got free on a st- sack, and O'Connell's looking down the field at why these two linebackers are bailing because he thought they were coming and then, oh, shit, swallowed up. Yeah. So he was he was seeing ghosts in the pocket, so I think the safeties got off a little more scot-free than if they were playing against a good quarterback. But
1: that's credit to the coaching to not allow it, you know, play more man-heavy and make the um... – make the corners more responsible for their own, uh, for their receivers. And, you yes. know, just have the other two guys purely as like a secondary. Protection. Um, Jack, I want to ask you causation to scoreless and, or outscored yeah. second half, um, I yep. just want to say the Chargers allowed three consecutive Raiders drives of 12 or more plays netting 10 yep. second half points that combined yep. for 15 and a half minutes or thereabouts the first seven yep. drives was about thirteen minutes. What do you yep. think? What do you what can you boil that down to, if anything, in particular?
0: I am a big believer that calm breeds calm and tension breeds tension. So throughout the first half you're watching the you've got a heightened team because of the Tillery hit. You sure you saw how that galvanized the sideline. Now that can work really well in the moment. At half time though, you've almost hit your peak intensity when something like that happens. And when you're managing people and managing a team, it's really hard to make sure that they keep that concentration or they keep that uh, they can hit another peak in the second half. So in terms of, you know, I'm talking about the intangibles here and I'm talking about just the flow and the feel, these things that you can't put data set on, you can't put, but Staley, and this will lead into something that I'm being a little bit nitpicky about over his tenure is that he just doesn't exude confidence as some other coaches do he's chewing his gum he's just a little bit tight and you really felt the team come out and this is not just brandon staley's regime this has been you know we play such a good first half and then all of a sudden we shit the bed and lose the game but i definitely it's charges so how do you break that cycle and the staley i believe is pretty tense and we saw that with the play of Derwin James, we've been seeing it with the silly mistakes, Alistair. I think people are trying too hard to overperform because they know that, you know, things are
2: heating up. And do I say yes? It? yes we're still I do. seeing it from Staley in his press conferences. We are. Jack. I and mean, and him and Popper had another little tete a tete in, in this did. one, and it's. And he, dare yeah. I say, sorry it, to interrupt.
0: That's okay, but dare I say that Asante Samuel and Alistair, you made a great point offline that he wasn't going to take it 99 yards to the house because there were some Raiders defenders rallying, but it just seemed to me that he didn't know what to do in a really crucial moment. And that is coaching. And if you watch the film, Staley's like going, oh, is he celebrating? Is he telling him to go down? Is he telling him to run? But clearly something had happened when JC Jackson didn't go down with the red zone interception. And that has therefore put in the mind of Asante Samuel Jr. in a pressure moment that I don't know what to do, so I'm just gonna go down. So I'm not gonna make, I'm not gonna make the decision myself. I'm going to go off what's happened to JC Jackson and I'm gonna make sure that doesn't happen to me. I think yep. that's quite a re- regressive mentality.
2: That's what I can kind of put it down to. In that's mm. exactly the explanation too. That yeah. that would categorically be why Asante went down there. Yep. Oh, that's not going to happen again. Yeah. There's two minutes fifty left, mate. We needed the yards. True. Yeah, so yep.
0: anyway, it's it's a nebulous answer. I'm sorry, Andy, but that's that's all that I can kind of
1: put. I don't to think it. there is um, one particular answer. It's
2: yeah. Just more yeah. your thoughts.
1: Mm. Yeah, good question. And
2: missing some chances. There were a few chances on offense, like for, for this game to have gotten tied again, the offense needed to go to sleep. And there were a few drops although they're not always charted as drops we did feel i thought the absence of mike williams in this one (laughs) particularly when the pass protection is not working and you don't have as much time to throw that's when those jump balls become more relevant and we saw one when we were in our own red area where he gave quentin johnston a chance one-on-one down the sideline he couldn't come up with it and then josh palmer dropped what i thought was a pretty bad one Mm, uh a little later in that same drive thankfully he made amends but he also had, a, he had a good earlier
1: catch. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but Palmer. Yes. I thought when I first watched, I was like, "God, he's been given a game ball for that one catch," you know. And I, when I watched it again, I was like, oh, "I was a little harsh." He made a good catch, a uh, 19 yard well, off the top of my head reception earlier in the game, and
2: uh, yeah, you know,
1: I just, I, I, I guess I expected a lot more um, from the kind of camp that he had uh, and all the chat that came out then to see him sort of step up and say hey look you know Q- qj might be a first round pick but we want him fighting josh palmer for that wide receiver three and now it's like when's jalen guyton getting back we need a little bit yeah. more chemistry we need a little bit more trust credit where it's due great turnaround and come back to the ball by qj for that 18 yard mm-hmm. catch that was reviewed um but yeah like you said there was that other that that drop where the the defender was was all over him but you know you've got to make that catch you're a bigger body and you know you had the position had the position to make that, so defender's back was turned. Yeah. Back yeah, shoulder that's, throws. It's concerning, and he's getting like one or two, one or two targets as well. It's um, it's a little worrying. Uh, well, I've got a question. I'll, I'm going to throw it back to you, then, Andy. But this
0: is one of the questions I was going to ask you: Is that, is it? Are we blaming QJ too early? And and should we actually be blaming Justin Herbert because there has been some vision. And there's been data to suggest that QJ is actually getting quite a lot of separation comparatively on the averages in the NFL, but Herbert just isn't hitting him. Now, is that because of a lack of chemistry, a lack of trust? Is, is Should some of the blame go to actually Justin Herbert, not all on QJ? Because people are going, oh, wow, well, he's not a – because it was always going to happen. It was always going to happen. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers are having great years already, and QJ is sitting there looking like a pumpkin. What do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't think, I don't think personally that we're blaming QJ for any like ruts that the offense is finding itself in. It's just a bit more kind of concern. <laughs> it's just more a bit of concern that, yeah, there's, there just doesn't seem to be that trust in chemistry and that's on, I guess, Justin Herbert, but he is highly reliant on Keenan, Mike Williams too. He's like, I can get 10 catches out of these guys. One or both of them can hit a hundred yards a game. Um, We start the season 0-2. That's the pressure. That's the pressure in the back of Justin Herbert's mind going, I can't leave this to chance. Like, we're a Super Bowl capable team. Uh, We're a champion team. I can't just go, I'm going to throw the ball to a guy that has drop issues eight times again, Ooh, it's a creeping, bit of in, that. creeping
0: in, isn't it? Yeah. That it, good well, call.
1: It, it has to, it has to though. I'm not, so I'm not saying that it's QJ's fault, but like when you're given the opportunity, man, make the most of it, pick 21, it just sort of, there was a little bit of concern back when Mike Williams was drafted with pick number seven, we were going, oh, golly. Um, and it took a little while for Mike Williams to really warm to the spot and become a beloved Chargers receiver. Uh, and he's definitely earned that title now. Even if it yep. is the last time we say it, but yeah, it's it's a tough one when that injury goes, when that big injury uh, comes up, and there's more expectation on him. You kind of wonder um, how how it's all how he's you know the, he's picked for his skill set because he brings that diversity to the group, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it just it just works out well when your Q, your quarterback only has to throw for 160 odd yards because you know we're generating. F- great field position from turnovers and we have a few explosive run plays that just sort of make it a little bit easier. Um, it's as far as scoring the ball. So yeah, bit of a nebulous answer for you there, mate, but I think that it's, it's a bit of both There's there's more than one kind of person at fault and maybe Kellen mm-hmm. Moore's more to blame than either of the two of them. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah well they'll get more opportunities because' they're, they're it for the
2: time being. That's it. Uh, Andy, while you're still in the hot seat mate I'm going to keep you under I uh, keep you under the magnifying glass. Let's flip to the defense and uh, the run defense, which is kind of a bit of a bright spot. They only allowed 73 yards on 20 designed runs. SJD, what's he doing for you in the minute?
1: Uh, I thought he was great last week this week wasn't as noticeable. Um, he's still got a couple of stops, a, a missed tackle. Um, but I'm just great. I'm just really glad I made a point of saying it last week in the, this game's preview that if a team is going to break the habit or break the mold on something, a player, Josh Jacobs, we were able to, uh, nullify him. Essentially. He was very handy and annoyingly handy in the passing game. But a lot of, yeah. a lot of, I think the fact is like we got ahead and then, We got ahead, like they leveled at seven all and then it was 24, seven at halftime that we didn't really allow them to kind of run the ball in any kind of great, with any great consistency and develop that part of their game. So there's a little bit of that, I think as well. Uh, but as far as SJD, well, look last week he was awesome. And this week I think he maybe came back down to earth, back to the campfire. So look, not as, um, not as dominant as he was last week, but not, not crap still helped. I didn't mind Morgan Fox's game. Actually. I thought he got up and made some plays too. And he's just, he's been used sparingly this year, only 26 of 73 snaps. I found it quite interesting. They're trying to keep him fresh. You you notice when he's on the field, though, I guess like so many times you Hmm. see the last guy getting up from that, that pile of people at the line of scrimmage is number 56. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Um, I spoke a little bit last week, probably unfairly as Tao pointed out about special teams. What did we think of a special teams as a whole? This week, guys, Jack, any anything in particular? I mean, I, I sort of after that
0: uh, exchange, I did sort of want to look at how what J.K. Scott's doing. I, I don't know if he's punting poorly or not, and maybe that's Moonrakers like of... is
1: what he's doing. Moonrakers, he's <laughs> skying that ball.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't know whether that's a, a design or whether it's less effective than it was last year. Um, and the other question that I had of special teams is that obviously Diane Henley hasn't played, he only played one snap of defense, but he is getting some time in the special teams. And is he having to prove himself on the special teams before he gets snaps or is it where we're just protecting, you know, the, the order of things, the natural order of K9 and Kendricks and it's Neiman and guys that have kind of, um, you know, earned their spot, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was just the punting and it, it didn't feel good, but it didn't feel bad. So that's kind of another nebulous answer for you.
2: Doing- what do you think about those linebackers, Jack? Because, I mean, th- that's a that's a great question. Do you sprinkle in Henley or are you ha- happy with what you're seeing from Murray and Kendricks together? And then Neiman's not putting a foot wrong. So what if you're in charge of the linebacker room, do you want to get Henley in there because he's a third-round pick or do you think, nope, the current group's doing a good job? Oh, I'd, I'd love to see Diane Henley in there because
0: if the progression of growth was anything between the – the preseason games of week one, two, and three. This guy's going to be NFL ready by the end of the year. So, you know, why not put him in there for some for some third downs? Let's see his length. I mean, could you put him in there um, next to Kendricks? Could you put him and Neiman on the field just as something different? But there's clearly a program in place, whether it's designed by Fiken or whether it's designed by Staley to say, no, this is the, because I mean, Scott Matlock's getting a lot of snaps, you know, he's getting Mm. more snaps, um, other rookies, you know, QJ's getting snaps. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Or they're just working back from injury and the injury was actually more serious than we thought. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Hamstrings are one of those things when you, you get them early, they can, they can linger, they can hang around for careers. You know, um, I think the the linebackers, it's a good problem to have. It really is. Um, with Kendricks out and Murray with the green dot, I thought Murray stepped up really well and has continued. Um, Al, you made a really good point earlier in the show about the, what the, the edges were doing to allow the, the linebackers to help out in coverage. And they were making some really good tackles in the pass game, which was annoying from the looking at the corners role. But Kendricks' return was awesome. And uh, if you guys out there uh, are following us on Twitter, the TDU underscore Charges handle, Al does a great job, hashtag TDU Films. Um, he didn't post this one, but it was very funny. Eric Kendricks got uh, a tackle of Josh Jacobs, I think. Took his shoe off uh, after the celebration, just put it down on the ground. Kenny Murray walks up and boots the shoe away. Uh, just very, very <laughs> linebacker bros kind of areas, and it's, it's good. But I think, Jack, what you're talking about, that when you bring up the the rotation of the backers. its It sort of fits Staley's mold for if you play well, you deserve more snaps. Nick Neiman has done nothing but show energy, intensity, all those good things. He's tackling, he's doing Involved well. Involved in that
2: interception last week. Yep.
1: he's doing really well. So like I said, I think it's a good problem to have when you've got a seeming gun, second round pick. Um, it's okay to just ease him in. Talking about the linebackers, though, and sort of blending this in with special teams. Um, one of the, I think it was one of Carter's, might have been Carter's big return. Jacobson? No, sorry, ya- Jakobs, the sorry, Jacobs? Jacob Johnson. Jacob Johnson, that's the one. Blew Bongamiga the fuck up. Smashed him. I rewound and watched it four times, and I was like... Pfft. God damn, fullback just—he had a really
2: good game. That guy, he, did. he stood up Kendricks two or three times in the running game. Not He's good as a good receiver, fullback.
1: That dude, not good as a receiver. No, no, no that was <laughs> you know shocking. exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. The old headshot. <laughs> but look, going back to, um, I, I did good ask that get. that the question about well, starting off the question about special teams was was loaded for me because it has been interesting. Um, they the Raiders look like they got a fair bit of pressure towards the kickers, both Dicker and J.K. Scott. Um, Scott was better this week for sure. The first one, he's le- he's like leading the league in in hang time. So he's getting it up there, but he's just not quite hitting the depth, I think, just yet. That first punt was 23 yards or something. And then the next one kind of actually had a, or the next one, sorry, after that first um, short one, just had another one of those dicky backwards bounces. And you're just like, oh, I know you can't, do much about that. It is a fluke, uh, but then you know his second one was a bit deeper, bounced off to the side, went out of out of bounds. So um, improvement. Dicker was perfect on his attempts. So yeah, good underrated, areas.
0: sneaky, really good. Dicker. He's been really, really good.
1: Yeah, it um, annoyed me to Alice... see Carter actually get a, a bit of wriggle and get a return because yeah. I never really felt that when he was a Charger, and I thought, yeah, hey, we can we can capital. I'm not concerned about their return game, but. He did get one and it was just a bit shitty, but you know, that's just our poor tackling really that allowed that to happen.
0: Hmm. Alistair, I want to put you in the hot seat, uh, but it, in the essence of time, I've got two, two questions. Did you want to tackle, we've, we've spoken a lot about the defense and and that, so I'm going to, I'm going to put, let's, let's talk about this fourth down call, the tush push. Okay. Mm. So mm. Uh, I think everyone knew that it was going to be a, a tush push by the quarterback. Justin Herbert had recently gashed his finger open and has a splint on. A tush-push requires you to be under centre. Last week, Kellen Moore tried to do the double bluff, lining up in the same formation but doing something slightly different. This week, everyone said, it should have been a quarterback push, should have been a quarterback push. And he's gone, okay, I'm going to listen to you all. Okay, I'll do it. And it didn't work. What's going on? and why can't why do these fourth down plays seem to be such an issue when we are fourth and medium to long because it's
2: just not working what's what was your reaction to it and how do you feel about it well feels a good word and i'll come back to it uh in the moment i i don't i did not mind going for the fourth down or at least lining up to go for it To me, there's a difference there. I don't mind it, like it's different from last week's because there's still three minutes 34 left in the game. It's not like you get it and game's over. You've still got quite a bit of time left. Also, you've got a rookie quarterback on the other side who's really playing poorly. Is he gonna drive the ball all the way down the field for seven points? So I didn't think the urgency, I, I thought there were more factors militating against going for it this week, but I always don't mind going up there call your play get up to the huddle have a look at what the defence is in and if you think you can go go Herbert's got the splint on his finger that the the Raiders lined up in what looked like almost a Madden-esque formation peculiarly well designed to stop save. it yeah call a fucking timeout and then have a chat and go. Okay, do we want to punt here, or maybe we'll call a passing play out of the shotgun for fourth and one? So, and then coming back to this feel point, how I felt, I felt like the feel of our coaches is off. Yeah. Both sides, Kellen Moore and Brandon Staley. Kellen Moore, there were at least two runs in this game where we're toss, we're tossing the ball uh, five yards behind the line of scrimmage on a first and ten, and tackled in a seven, second and fifteen when we've got a lead in the third quarter. It happened a couple of times and I'm thinking, geez, this is meant to be this North and South running game where we kind of push it down the field. And why now are we doing these pitches behind the line of scrimmage, getting ourselves into these unfavorable down and distance scenarios. And then Brandon Staley, mate, get a clue. Like, are you trying to lose, (laughs) are you trying to lose your job? Are you trying to lose your biggest supporter on planet earth? Thank Christ the team is two and two this week because goodness gracious, like the, the, it's one thing to have passion, confidence, be data driven, but you also want you kind of to have a consistency of approach and a rationality of approach. And to me, this one was just like, you're killing aiden o'connell and your quarterback just fractured his finger and the one time we tried a qb sneak for a touchdown at the goal line he barely got it in he tried to reach over and then brought it back and he's not that good a sneaker he's showing himself to be a bit like philip rivers to be frank Hmm. so where have i gone in that i'm not happy i'm not happy jack i'm not happy jan (laughs) i feel like they need the bye week as much as fans need the the bye week i've got a, a Appointment book with a cardiologist after the first quarter of this Bi-pass season. week, <laughs> these people need to think about what they're doing and just call smarter plays. If you're going to go for the fourth down, do something
1: smart. Question yep. two. <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, was it answer? Was there another part to that, Jack?
0: No, no, I won't ask that. No, that's okay. fine. He sort of okay. covered it, which is good.
1: Yeah, I feel like I kind of jinxed it when we were up. Al and I sitting on the couch, and I, at halftime, I said, what's going to happen here? Because we're up by two and a half touchdowns. Are we going to see run, run past the Lombardi of old? You actually look like you're wearing Lombardi's um, long sleeve there, Al. <laughs> um, and, yeah, you're right. That, that halfback toss to Kelly, it's just I, – I see it so clearly for that five-yard loss. Just stuff like that was just like – is the the script and the off script offense is one working and then we're, we're up so we're we're not making adjustments we're just sort of reverting to doing kind of dumb stuff to not show our whole hand. I don't know it's um it, it is it is concerning um because it well, is perhaps your center as well that's the other thing is he really the bulldozer who's going to get us that
2: that start that you want from a rugby mall oh yeah. man. Know your team. Know the
1: moment. Seize it. You could see the defense. Still lucky, like it's
2: early in the year.
1: Hunkering yeah. over, ready to sort of jump and make that play. Um, why not just use a little bit of trickery in your cadence and try and get them yep. to to false start, um, jump. Sorry, jump offside. Or yeah, like you said, call a call an audible and just have one guy go out. They had everyone in the box. Just have one yep. guy slip yep. out and just go. Yep, cool.
2: One yard is all you need, and you put more pressure on yourself too. Because if you went on Instagram, every picture of the Chargers win, you know, celebratory imagery that's posted after the game. Look to the comments: fire our dead shit coach, fire Staley, fire Staley, please yep. fire Staley. Yep. And I, don't, I doubt he's reading that stuff. But it's a real shame that two weeks in a row the Chargers have won, and because of fourth down calls that that failed in the moment the discourse is still fire this coach. And that doesn't help the guy who already looks like he's about to suffer a nervous breakdown based on how kind of feisty he is in He needs pressure off him and he's not helping himself.
1: Well, yeah, two weeks in a row, we've led by 11 or more points. We've failed a fourth down conversion in our own territory and then had to rely on a defense that has been aggressively underperforming to come away with a match, well, a match saving or match winning red zone interception. Um. Yeah, it's just there's got to be easier way to easier ways to win, especially. Look, sure we had a, a plethora of injuries. They also had a fair few injuries. Nate Hobbs was out. Jimmy G was out. Like Devontae missed probably ten minutes of that second quarter and then came back with a sort of injured shoulder. Could have been a lot different. Um, anything further about the game, guys, or how did we want to play a bit of Snakes and Ladders?
2: Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I will, I will go with a couple of uh, snakes. So this this week, I've got the ones who are kind of sliding downwards in their performance. And we've touched on them a little bit. I'm going to call out and I don't like to do this, but I will call out the first round rookie Quentin Johnston, only because when your peers are showing stuff out there, and you're needing to earn targets and snaps, when you get those opportunities, you've got to take them. And as we discuss, he missed that one chance. And that's not going to help his cause because Herbert might not trust him. Plenty of chance to get back up there, Quentin, but you're unfortunately down the snake this week. And so is Trey Pipkins just because of the matchup and the struggle that he had on that right side of the line.
1: I'm going to jump in with the ladder. Um, I've got a few, but I'm going to keep it short uh, to two and a special mention also thrown in. For acknowledgement's sake, 50 deuce. As we mentioned, uh, what a game. He came into week three, came in from week three with zero sacks. He's now the joint leader of sacks in the NFL with six. Um, as you said, Jack, he just must have been listening to your teachable moment last week. He was awesome. Over to you, Ali.
2: I'm going to call out as a ladder, uh, no, someone who's not being talked about at all. I'm going to go with Nick Williams, the interior defensive line. No one's spoken about 95. Austin Johnson is struggling, and I reckon he's been better than expected. I'm liking his performance. No one's really talking about him. Popper's not writing about him, but he's playing a lot of
1: snaps, and the run defense is doing well. So good on you, mate. Keep up the good form. Well, one more ladder for me. Before I jump into that one, just a special mention to – Jamari Solia. he's gone from an awesome rookie year filling in at left tackle to now moving over to guard and he doesn't feel like he's essentially another, it's like another rookie season playing at another pro spot uh, on that line and I think he's just not perfect but really solid job and with the the three or less years experience between him, Zion and Rashawn, um, obviously barring Rashawn's missed year last year, awesome stuff, but my last ladder, a Sunday, Samuel jr. It's been a, a real whirlwind of personnel selections, rotations, and performances in the cornerback room, uh, with JC out the building. We've got two undrafted free agents, a second round pick, a fifth round, and a sixth round or a sixth and a seventh, um, with jar and Dean Leonard. And as the second round, he is really leading the way. He's been a solid factor this week. And for most of the season, there's growth, um, there's leadership, there's awareness. He's allowed five receptions this week for eight, uh, eight targets and 39 yards, including the game winning interception, um, which showed awesome awareness on that route, jumping in the, um, the pick flat to secure that win growth in his ball skills, handy in run support. And he's, he's really shone and provided a, a, a bright light when Davis and Jar Taylor did not have good games.
0: All right. Well, it's time for the Teachable Moment. Before I say this, this is a disclaimer. I'm basing everything that I've said on my own interpretation and understanding. This week's Teachable Moment is called, Don't try to be something you're not. We know that the charges promote family values and positive role models, positive people. Over the past few years, the signings and draftees have commonly been the archetype, good, hardworking, value-driven player. Rarely, if ever, do the Chargers take a chance on a seemingly low character guy or a player that some might say has a dirty past. Remember when Desmond King got ejected out of the building really quickly? I just look at our current roster and think of how much value we have in the building outside of being an NFL player. The team is nice, well-meaning and positive. I personally don't mind that at all. In fact, looking at the whole person is integral when hiring or integrating them into an organization. Do they fit with the rest of the players? Not just at their skill set or their position they play, but who are they as a person? I think it's a good way to approach team building personally um, or a high-performing organisation. Some workplaces and elements of society at large are shifting towards being more inclusive and supportive environments. I think leaders aim to empower their staff, generally not managing down with an iron fist, but more so um, alongside them. However, An NFL team is not a high school or a Silicon Valley startup and the defense of the Chargers is not a humanities or English faculty or a bunch of MIT millennials sitting behind computers. When I say dominant defense in the NFL, who comes to mind? I immediately think about the likes of the Legion of Boom. Were they nice guys? Sherman, Thomas, Bennett, and Chancellor? No, they were terrifying. And Carroll did his best to contain their egos. I think about the Ray Lewis-led Baltimore Ravens with Woodson, Adams, Siragusa. What about the Lawrence Taylor 90 Giants? The Purple People Eaters in Minnesota with Page and Krauss, The 85 Bears, the 76 steel uh, steelers a steel curtain i would not want to make joe green or mike singletary at the line of scrimmage dominant defenses generally generally have this shock and awe factor they, they mean bad news and will inflict punishment on the poor qb who was lined up on a center opposite them they do not have an identity as being nice their identity and culture was mean they were led by coordinators and coaches who match the time and place some of these players would never play a full game in today's nfl before being ejected a quarter time now Many, if not all of these defenses, you know, um, were playing at a time before CT and concussion were discussed. And the values society upheld were very different, not only in America, but in the world. But what am I getting at here? What the actual F am I talking about? Let's bring it back to identity, culture, and how I interpret the JC Jackson announcer. The signing was strange, if not exciting, uh, one to begin with. My fellow podcaster, Alistair, was the first to say that Jackson's path to NFL was not really akin to many of his Charger colleagues. I'm not going to place value judgment on Jackson's life story, and I don't think that's fair or appropriate, but this story is worth noting in the contextual analysis. On the surface, and we did discuss this, it did seem that JC may or could clash with the values and morals the charges stand for and use when recruiting, drafting, and re-signing players. In hindsight, it was an awkward fit, and it remained an awkward fit until today, where he goes back to the Patriots. And old school Bill Belichick. Was it a matter of not fitting the system on the field? Could he not play the CB position that Staley wanted? I personally don't think so. JC Jackson was a premier corner hitting the free agency market. It was a mix of intangibles that did not fit. Injuries not helping either. Ultimately, a clash of coaching cultures. J.C. Jackson thrived in the culture and environment Belichick built and supported. It is known to be a hard, get in line, no mistakes, Tom Brady grit and one-eyed determination approach to success. A culture that has no problem signing experimental bad boys who seemingly thrive on the field. Think of Hernandez, Gronk, Dylan, Christian Peter, Josh Gordon, Hainsworth, Rodney Harrison, an angry Randy Moss got a ring and let's not forget Antonio Brown experiment. The environment straightens those types of players up there for success. There is no wiggle room. There is no, hey, by the way, I need heel surgery that may take me off the field after I've just signed a $82 million contract, or yeah, I just didn't turn up to my arraignment. Uh, sorry, or legging to the media. I just don't know why I'm getting benched. I believe that the current charges led by a man in Staley who was 31 years Bills Jr. are vastly different when it comes to organizational philosophy. J.C. Jackson's performance on the field at the Patriots versus what has occurred at the Chargers is the physical manifestation of the age difference between Staley and Belichick, how different approaches to player management lend themselves to bringing out the best in different players, and how important environment is to individual players' success. Perhaps the Chargers believe that J.C. Jackson will give them a harder nose he would be the alpha on the ed, uh, on the exterior a meaner identity like of those defenses I said before or perhaps Staley was just pulling from the McVay need playbook with Ramsey at the Rams or was it Belichick doing his best clever snake oil salesman impersonation but inevitably in hindsight it was trying to fit a square peg in a round hole everything we see in all in the documentaries and the players and we have in the building the charges predict a very different identity and value structure that of on the place made JC Jackson successful in new that sorry uh, than that of the place that made JC Jackson successful which is New England do not try to be something you are not the charges coaches and personnel are not mean nor are they necessarily scary and the environment and his coaches seemingly promote is about positive player empowerment They are forging a different and perhaps more modern path to building an identity. One that ultimately meant Jackson was ejected from the building, which I believe is a net positive occurrence. It is encouraging to be able to stand up for what your organization believes in when somebody does not abide by the beliefs of, for those who work within it. However, why did it happen in the first place? The empowerment philosophical approach is great, but has he executed it? Well, it does it. It works at KC. Also, as a defensive head coach what is the future for a historic nfl defense which staley wants to needs to should be building in a league where meanness synonymous with domination is slowly disappearing to pass friendly rule changes and more of an understanding of player safety let us hold no grudges i wish jc jackson all the best back at the patriots and look forward to the matchup later this year at least the bolts stood up for themselves for what they believe in as an organization be true to yourself don't try to be something that you're not bit of a longer form one this week gents but I thought that was poignant given the situation.
2: Wow. Uh, fantastic. Very insightful as always. And in the interests of time, um, I don't propose to add a lot in terms of the cultural potential, cultural misfit or kind of the disjunctive elements between the Pats and the Chargers. It is just, just purely on, on the field from a football standpoint, it is an interesting move. And I, my, opinion is we don't know, we, we don't have complete information. There's information asymmetry for sure because what we've, what we had was a cornerback four with a lot of experience who presumably would have been getting a bit better each week the further removed he was from his surgery and who could come in handy if God forbid one of the other cornerbacks goes down with an injury. Now we've given away that luxury and it is a little frightening. It'll be it'll be particularly frightening if he goes off and plays really well all of a sudden in New England or plays well next year when I as I was saying in the preseason, that's when I expected him to start coming back to his own next year. But whatever's happened in the last three weeks and maybe Jack, those people skills that we thought Staley was fantastic for, they weren't enough in this instance to kind of integrate that personality into this culture. He obviously did not handle being benched well. And whatever's going on behind the scenes, he's out the door. And now it's Dean Leonard in the cornerback four spot. Good luck to you, Dean. You had a great preseason. And we'll see you, JC Jackson, again when we play New England later this year. Goodbye.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, look, I don't have much to add. I thought that was great, Jack. And it is it is really hard to um, say say or understand anything more than, you know, we paid you. You did all this in your in your past life with the Pats. You come over, hit an injury. You come back, then you do a you get, have a, an awful injury. Everything looks good in the preseason. You come back in and you're stinking like off bread. Um, and then there's obviously an ethos that Staley has for his DBs, and it's the you will be played based on your performance at practice and your attitude and everything like that there's got to be a bit of an ego behind JC Jackson. It's just sort of how it is when you're a star football player, not, um, understanding that or looking at it from the team perspective probably didn't sit well with Brandon and then it's just sort of culminated. I'm speculating, but that's sort of the only sense that I can bring to it. Um, and it's just either we hang on to this or we try and get whatever we can now out of it. Um, he was suited up this week and didn't play a snap. So there you go. Uh, I do wish him all the best as well. I think he's a great footballer. It's just on this beyond the surface, it's just really unfortunate that it never worked out, and uh, just sort of feels like a, a Chargers thing to us. But um, but there you go. Uh, Al, have you got anything more? We just seem to have lost Jack for the uh, the end of this. He's just given his he's just dismissed the class without saying as much. <laughs> forgot to he's say late. it. School holidays, baby, we're out we of here. Class dismissed, uh, no <laughs> I was fat. waiting for it. I was hoping he wouldn't. Um, mate, if there's anything if there's not anything more from you, um guys, thanks very much for, for listening. Everyone enjoy the bye. Recharge. We're two and two. The season is not done. No, um, no, no. Let's tune into the, the Dallas San Fran game. I'm really excited to see what this Cowboys outfit can do against a dangerous, dangerous defense and firing offense. Um, next week we'll be back, as always, to preview the Cowboys in week f- uh, week six rather. Props QB rankings will take a bit of a shift because I got a lot wrong, but I got a lot right. So we'll see how that <laughs> shifts out. Um, until then, guys, I guess it's class dismissed. We'll see you next time on the Thunder Down Under Chargers
0: Firey's got Floyd turning.
1: Got it! Six and a ten, five, high step, touchdown! San Diego! Woo! <laughs> Woo! Good night! Good night to all!